follow. Time for naming stuff. Everybody and welcome to a live episode of the MinMax Show podcast. I'm Ben Hansen, and this is a place about games. Friends are getting better. I'm joined by Jeff Markyafava. Hello, Janet Garcia. What's up? And Serial Vasquez, who could I, not wait to jump in for the intro to roll. He was eager, baby. I was wondering if something weird was happening. But... <laughs> Yeah, no one said anything for whatever. Yeah. If you're wondering if something weird's happening, it might be you. Yeah. I thought all the all our episodes were live. Well, they are for backstage pass people, but this is a special episode because this is okay. E3, baby. E3 2021 has kind of sort of effectively kicked off with Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, so we have a lot to unpack. Uh, this week is already outrageous, and it's only going to get more outrageous from here. So... Just in terms of our coverage, uh, just reminding you of what you can expect. Uh, you can subscribe to our channel at MinMax Show on YouTube. We'll be doing live reactions to the big press conferences, some smaller press conferences on Saturday as well. Um, and then also we'll be doing bonus episodes of the MinMax Show podcast also live. And those are going to be on Sunday and Tuesday. Then we'll be back in the regular rotation next week. But thanks, everybody, for getting hyped about E3 with us. Jeff, you feeling it? Does it feel like we're at E3? Um, no, but the, okay. I think that's more just, um, it, that was a weird way to kick it off with Keeley's show. What is like it that? had a very, it had a very good, a strong ending to it. Um, and the other stuff preceding that were less, less exciting. So yeah. it was kind of a, I think it it's... was a roller coaster ride. I, I hear that it's, it wasn't exactly the level of like the game awards, I think, in terms of announcements. But at the same time, it's a new thing. It's the Summer Game Fest kickoff. And, you know, for just some way to bundle a bunch of announcements before officially E3 begins, I think there was enough in there to definitely get excited about and unpack. Janet, we just got done watching it. What do you think is your big takeaway from the Summer Game Fest kickoff? I think building on the uh, roller coaster metaphor, it, it was like a roller coaster, but it was like those ones that you ride at, like, county fairs where you know it's it's enjoyable like you are glad to be there but it's not exactly like super exciting it's just like oh this is a a nice way to spend an afternoon or a quick moment that's kind of where i land on it but yeah it had one big thing at the end and the thing is with e3 and with any of this stuff we always want it to be like and then everyone reveals this big magical thing but that's just not always the case so you know kind of it was what it was and it's still there's still big press conferences coming up i think like microsoft and nintendo's press conferences are going to be the juggernauts of this season this was just an appetizer baby this is like the little cereal what's a good appetizer remind me uh, uh, mozzarella sticks. Yeah, this is just like one little mozzarella stick slid across the table, and I gotta say, it still tastes pretty good sometimes. Um, so we'll be talking about highlights there. Uh, a couple things. Uh, table setting here. Um, Game Builder Garage, the Nintendo game building thing on Switch, is out now. Seems like reviews are positive, but we haven't had a chance to check it out yet, I don't believe. Um, let's see. Uh, the Deepest Die... Oh, hang on. I should rephrase this. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Intergrade intermission 
that whole saga, the Yuffie DLC, is out now. People were already yelling at me, like, why aren't you talking about this? Why aren't you streaming this? Uh, you're supposed to be number one Final Fantasy VII outlet. I totally understand. What we're doing with this is we're officially tackling the Yuffie DLC as the deepest dive. It's going to be the next deepest dive. It's just a one-off covering this DLC, which is exclusive to PlayStation 5. So if you want to join us in that adventure, you can jump over to Patreon at patreon.com slash minmax with two N's and then support us at the $2 tier and submit a comment. We're going to be collecting comments about all of the DLC, which is technically called Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrades Intermission Chapters. We're doing all of that in one go on June 21st. So play along with that and then submit a comment over on Patreon on June 21st. And if you support us on Patreon, you can unlock the podcast version of The Deepest Dive uh, for Final Fantasy VII Intergrade Intermission. Uh, we just wrapped up Mass Effect, so it's a good time to jump in there. If you feel like supporting us, we'd appreciate it. Um, also, this table's getting set like you wouldn't believe. We have Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Um, Kyle has been playing it. I streamed it on Minmax's Twitch uh, account this morning. You can check out that archive if you're curious. It'll also be up on our YouTube channel very soon. Um, believe it or not, Janet, Rift Apart. Uh, yep. Quite good. Quite good. Wow. Did you, you have any? Say. Did you have any surprises uh, when the reviews started rolling in for Rift Apart, Janet? Uh, no, but I also like try not to really look at them very much. I really like going into stuff as fresh as possible if I have the privilege to be able to do so. So I, I saw that people liked it, which I expected as much. Um, and I'm just excited to see where this will land and if it'll get me like really excited about uh, you know next gen Ratchet as a franchise. Right, right. I feel like it's been so many generations now where you look at the Ratchet game and be like, my God, next generation is here. And this definitely has those moments, but when it's the same franchise and some of the same things, like look how many things are happening on the screen. Look at the fur tech. But still, it's a, it's a really good time so far. I'm only like two hours into it. So very early impressions, but we were streaming it. And the number one question from a lot of people was how's the dual sense? You know, is it doing funky things? Is it taking advantage of the new controller for the PlayStation 5? All that fun stuff. And, like, the, there's a lot of vibrating, a lot of stuff going on. I think the coolest thing so far is um, having, like, the multiple levels of the triggers. And so, like, for one of the grenade weapons that you get early on, you can, like, hold it down halfway and then, like, basically aim the grenade, show where it's going to go, and then pull it down all the way and it throws the grenade. It's kind of cool. They're like, okay, now you can have that all on one trigger button and free up that real estate on the left for something else so it's little things like that that seem impressive and believe it or not it looks great sounds great music's great you're going to spend a lot of time just staring at the backgrounds and just how many things are moving how many enemies are on the screen it's just incredible but we'll be talking about that more uh probably on next week's episode of the minmax show podcast um let's see other another thing Let's just keep ripping into this. Uh, Battlefield 2042, we know we're in E3 season because this stuff is like, oh, this could be an entire podcast. And now it's just thrown out there, five-minute-long trailer. All right, we got to move on. There's so much other stuff to unpack. But, Jeff, did you catch any of that Battlefield 2042 stuff? I did, yeah. I watched I watched the trailer. And it's weird because it it is a you know five-minute trailer, but it really just feels like a teaser trailer. Like, there's, there's not any kind of information in it the thing you will get out of it is that you still blow up a lot of stuff and the destruction looks really cool yeah but beyond that there's like you don't know what the conflict supposedly is you don't know what sides are fighting most people like i think you see like one guy's face in it and everyone else just has full you know death star face mask on and it, it was it, it it around the point where it's like hovercrafts 
on an iceberg somewhere. Like Antarctica, they're fighting yeah. over an iceberg or, or a glacier or something. I thought like, oh, this is just like constant, constant forever battles. It it felt really dystopian to me, but that that's not the tone they were going for. This is it, the tone was more like, this is awesome. We're kicking ass. And well, it's, it's like we're it, kicking ass in an environment where there's like the climate crisis has dislocated the world. There's crazy storms and tornadoes and everything. So they're trying to put it in that near future. But it's kind of fun for the Battlefield franchise to go back to the future after 2142 was a little bit divisive. There's definitely the hardcore fans for that entry, but now just to hit that kind of black ops level near future stuff seems to be what they're going for here. Did you just you say 2142? 2042 is going to look like. What's that, Is this Janet? like in real life? Is this what 2042 is going to look like? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of wingsuits and tornadoes. I think that pretty much sums like how it up. How accurate do you think this is going to get? I think it's I think it's right up there. No, Jeff, from 2142, it, it, the old one. Don't you remember oh, that sci-fi one? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, where they're trying to recreate like the opening of A New Hope with like the battles and the Death Star and stuff like that, or mm -hmm. I guess on the on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, did, it did strike me as weird because they showed they showed like one city and it was like, oh, that does look like the city of the future. But then it's like 2042 is only 20 years away. We're not we're not getting some fancy future city that fast. Yeah, you never know. The tornado's going to take them out and they're going to rebuild a cool new city coming Apparently. real quick. Um, but yeah, there are details that then trickled out in a bunch of previews after that, uh, that Battlefield 2042 is not going to have a campaign, which seems wild. At the same time, Black Ops 4 didn't have a campaign on the Call of Duty end of the spectrum, and that was one of the best-selling Call of Duties, so maybe they're looking at that as an example. And the other wild thing is they say there's not going to be a Battle Royale in Battlefield 2042, which is a one-two punch of boldness for me <laughs> going for this. So people were a little bit sour on that note. Yeah, and, and so that kind of had me a little critical, too. The first thing that I saw about it was that the Ultimate Edition costs $120, well, which sure. is just the most absurd thing I've ever seen. But it it kind of reminded me that, like, EA has 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 been kind of chasing... It, it seems like EA always wants a bigger profit than they can get at any given time, and they kind of... They mess with their franchises and they mess with their developers a lot in in order to try and get there. Like the whole Battlefield not having a campaign thing is fine because when they tried to do the campaign thing and tried to be Call of Duty, the campaigns weren't that good to begin with, you know? And so I don't I don't miss that as much, but it, it the whole the whole trailer and the fact that we didn't have any information, it really felt like we were just seeing a series of team death matches. Right. And, I, and I'm waiting for Battlefield to do anything new. Not it doesn't necessarily have to be a battle royale, but just kind of give us any updated take on this because it it felt kind of old and cliche to me. Right. Except now it's conquest, but with even more players. Like that I said, 128 yeah, for 128 current gen, which, which you, you know, know, maybe that'll feel a little bit different for you. It's no mag, but they're getting there. Um yeah. but yeah, also they tease that there's another mode they're gonna be announcing soon that's kind of a, a like callback for big fans. And so I don't know what that would be if it's just like, here's a mode with these mechanics, but on old maps or here's Rush. Like, I don't know what the callback mode is that isn't there out of the gate, but we'll see how it works. Um, okay, Surreal. Summer Game Fest, baby. Jeff Keeley's big debut to the world. It's, yeah, this Jeff Keeley guy came out of nowhere. Yeah, he's really doing it. Uh, it's nice to see him happy. It seems like he only feels alive when he's saying, and now for the big reveal. Like, he's really on the edge of his seat throughout that entire thing. He's having a good time. What do you think 
is the biggest talker? What hits you the hardest throughout all of Summer Game Fest? Well, I, I feel like that, that uh, those might be two separate questions. I think oh. the biggest talker is going to be Elden Ring. I think. Yeah. Every, I think there's been rumors about this game for you know however long, and now they finally you know shut off what I think is gameplay. I, I yeah. It looked like it's not direct gameplay. It's not like you know here's the health bar and here's how you play the game. But you know they, it, it seemed like this is one of those trailers where people. Will, are going to pick apart like oh like based on this one shot i can anticipate like this game might have the system in it you know like so it's like that level of of trailer so this feels like the the game's actual like reveal versus the the teaser trailer that we got a couple years ago yeah okay based on uh your experience with from software what do you think what hits you about the gameplay uh it's like at this point it doesn't feel like there's um like a huge uh change in terms of like every every from game feels like okay like what if we did this big thing and it kind of and it completely changed how you approach these games because like bloodborne was like okay you don't have a shield anymore uh Sekiro was like we're gonna go for a more aggressive system where you're parrying all the time i wasn't able to see something like that in this but it feels like instead it's gonna be kind of a lot of not smaller, but like less kind of overt changes that do uh, impact the game in like large swaths. I think, yeah, if you want to look for like the big standout thing other than, hey, new world, and we'll unpack that in a bit. But I mean, it has to be like the horses. Like they really lean into the horses and being able to like whistle to have your horse appear. And there's a weird shot where like a horse basically jumps on like a spring pad and it's like, yeah. like up a mountain. It really seems wild. Yeah, I, I think that that along with what I'm get like what I'm seeing in a lot of from they released a press release uh, which frankly had like a bunch of details that seemed pretty important is that like this is going to be their biggest world and it's going to be you know like um, it feels like from what they like the way they talked about it it feels like it's going to be more of like a traditional open world game uh, where it's just like here's a huge expanse because right like that's kind of what like traveling on horseback suggests is that like, right. you know, like these wide open areas that uh you, that you can travel and i think that whole like horse jumping thing is just going to be a nod of like we want you to be on the horse as much as possible so we're just going to create these little points where you can just climb up steep cliffs with your horse right yeah um so i'm curious to see how that design mixes with the um kind of like metroidvania style of game that they like to make where it's just like okay if you get this far into this area it'll unlock a ladder that will let you go back to this other area so I'm curious to see how, like, okay, here's, like, our more open-world game versus, like, the kind of interlocking uh, lo locations that they've done, that they've gone for in the past. Yeah, how do you have hub and spoke with that open-world? And I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they used the word open-world anywhere that I saw, but they said, like, a large, seamless world is the way to yeah. they describe it. So maybe it's kind of like, I don't know, a Dragon Age Inquisition thing where it's kind of, like, different regions and then like the hub and spoke is still kind of just those those choke points between the different yeah. regions or something yeah it's just like i i saw that field there's like the there's like a, a shot of a huge field and i'm wondering like how, how how does that mingle with you know the from software design that we know um and then like from that trailer there's a bunch of other stuff it seems like there's uh a magic system you know like it seems like it's gonna be more like there's gonna be more build variety and that there was one shot where they were using like a staff so that you know obviously tells you there's magic there's one shot uh where they dodge out of the way of an attack and then in the following shot there it looks like they're in the air so i wonder if there isn't like some sort of action oriented like jump mechanic which like you know Sekiro had but um it feels like they're kind of integrating it into the rpg stuff there's like a spell that you can use with your sword um, yeah, hang on. So okay, that's spell with the sword. Yeah, so they said, yeah, you're, you're back to building a character, definitely leaning to RPG, definitely mm -hmm. leaning heavily on Dark Souls stuff. But there is that weird shot where the character 
is fighting a boss and then suddenly their sword just turns into like a 30 foot long lightsaber. It's so yes. bizarre. It's I well, I mean, like there has been that kind of stuff in Dark Souls before where you can infuse your weapon with magic. But that's the thing where it's like you activate the spell that, you know, has his has him move his hand across the sword. And now it's imbued with magic. Right. Uh, this feels closer to like what I think Sekiro had, where it's like you can pull off these special moves uh, in the middle of combat. Like, I know here's like a, a overhead strike that like staggers the enemy. So I wonder if they are not using that. Where it's like instead of like making the spells completely separate from from like melee combat or like a separate system, they're just like you unlock these special abilities that let you do something like here's a magic attack. Um, but yeah, like like uh, aside from that, it does look like here's a huge boss that has like this wide swing where you roll for like it is a from software. Game. Oh yeah, oh big time. Uh, including it is really just a menagerie of the grossest looking. Uh, freaks you could imagine fighting in a game. Janet, who's your favorite freak from the Elden Ring trailer? My favorite and least favorite is the same thing. It's the spider hand. It's like, imagine if the hand, if that's even the name of it, I don't remember, from Smash Melee. That, yeah, called Master hand? hand. Yeah. Master Hand. Who could forget? That, the, one of the most iconic hands of, of the generation. <laughs> um, it's like if Master Hand was horrifying. Yeah. And, and inverted. Well, he kind of hangs around if you're watching the video version, like sort of like a little claw. He, has, yeah. Like, yeah. he fires missiles from his fingers. That's that's pretty freaky. It, it is, is like he's, you know, that hand can throw some hands. I think we've yeah. all experienced that firsthand. <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, that was really, really scary, which I think is impressive in a game that's already like it's dark and like the creatures are dark and there's like just twisted, um, creepy things. But yeah, the way it moved, I think specifically is what really got me. Because everything's really creepy in the world anyway. And though the world also looks super beautiful, which I was really impressed by. Yeah, like the huge glowing tree and stuff like that. It definitely seems like an interesting, bizarre world. But yeah, some of those creatures, like the guy at the end where he's got like 14 layers. He's got this giant thing off to the side. It looks like a Resident Evil Village boss fight. It just looks so bizarre. And yeah, then I think a the monster design is definitely like they took another pass and kind of like said, like, let's make them like weirder and crazier because there's there's a lot of like giant open eyes. Um, there's yeah. just a lot of monsters that feel like that that don't feel out of place in a Dark Souls games, but they definitely feel like this would be one of the weirder designs in a Dark Souls game. And this game looks like it's filled with bows. Right. And there's also like, you know, that adorable little pot with like hands and legs. That was, was just really walking around. You know, he's going to be my uh, my buddy, whether he likes it or not. I think he's going to be the new baby Yoda. Honestly, that's true. They're going to make a plush out of him for sure. <laughs> and Jeff, it looks like you have to regret your words and deeds because this game might be real. They say it's coming out January 21st, 2022. It might be real. Yeah, I was surprised. I'm surprised as anyone. I think we were all feeling that it was a made up uh -huh. tax evasion <laughs> thing for Bandai Namco. But I, I still want to see how much George R. R. Martin actually wrote, though. I have a feeling that From Software is just making the game and they'll say, ah, we'll add, you know, some narration over it once George R. R. turns in his homework. There is a I on the official Elden Ring site, they have like uh, just a couple paragraphs of lore exposition. I, I did have a moment of, I wonder if this is all George R. R. Martin got to. He's like, yeah, I'll write your narrative. And then it was just like, I'll just go on your website and write a, a paragraph here. But here's, <laughs> here's the official lore description from the website. You ready for this? Okay. Rise tarnished and be guided by grace to brandish the power of the Elden Ring and become an Elden Lord in the lands between. 
in the lands between, ruled by Queen Marika the Eternal, the Elden Ring, the source of the Erd Tree, has been shattered. Marika's offspring, demigods all, claimed the shards of the Elden Ring known as the Great Runes, and the mad taint of their newfound strength triggered a war. Don't smirk, Jeff. The Shattering. A war that meant abandonment by the greater will, and now the guidance of grace will be brought to the tarnished who were spurned by the grace of gold and exiled from the lands between. Ye dead who yet live, your grace long lost, follow the path to the lands between, beyond the foggy sea, to stand before the Elden Ring and become the Elden Lord. That sounds like such a mashup between Lord of the Rings and all of... From software's other games. What do you want? It's exactly that. Come on, man. They're not. They're not hollowed. They're tarnished. Yeah, and so yeah. everybody in the trailer is really. That was the masterstroke that George R. R. Martin brought to this. Come on, what is this cynicism? It's George R. R. Martin. Come on, it's gonna be cool, right? I mean, I, look, we don't know how, how involved he was, but I feel like I was on the opposite side of Jeffum, where I was just like, yeah, of course this game is real. Like, like. It, it feels like, you know, we had, there was a three-year gap between Dark Souls 3 and Sekiro, and there's going to be a three-year gap, assuming they don't delay it, between Sekiro and Elden Ring. And I think, like, this game, because of the lack of information in between those, kind of, like, those two games, I feel like this game has become, like, a meme in terms of, like, it, it has very quickly become, like, a Duke Nukem Forever-esque, like, when are they finally going to show it off? It's, like, because they're they're not talking about it, like, it's got to be, like, the greatest thing that's ever happened. And, like, I'm really excited for this game. I want to yeah. play it. Like, I'm, I'm a big From Software person, but it does feel like, like, just the, the lack of information has kind of inflated the hype for this game in a way that it hasn't been the case uh, for, like, a lot of other From games, for sure. I think um, it's true, and I think seeing this trailer... I think people are very hyped for it. There's a lot of cool, exciting things. There's definitely a certain subset of the internet that's kind of bummed that it's still going to be on last gen as well. And I saw some people being like, eh, visually, it looks like it could have been a last gen game at this point. Fun, but yeah. I think with that art direction, there's going to be enough cool stuff to look at. We're not going to be bummed about like, eh, some of these textures maybe could have been a little bit better, but it's still yeah. is looking good. Um, what was your take on that weird werewolf shot, Surreal? Uh, it's that seems like a pretty cool enemy. I like, I'm always a big fan of the like um, the human-sized enemies because they're always more nimble and they tend to be a little bit more interesting than the like. Here's the giant guy who's gonna do his big swing and you roll forward. Uh, so like I, I'm always a big fan of those enemies. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm that guy looks like he'll be scary. Like he'll be one of the harder bosses in the game for sure. Oh okay, I, I'm an idiot and I thought like oh maybe you can turn into a werewolf. Maybe I'm uh, thinking too much oh. Elder Scrolls. I that's what I thought too. It looked like a protagonist turning into a werewolf, but maybe oh, I, we're yeah. both idiots. I, yeah, maybe I I pegged him as an enemy almost immediately. A lot like, of these things could be true of what was just said. Thanks, Janet. Yeah, yeah. I, I am kind of waiting for the like the. Um, the breakdown of their like when they're more explicit um because the press release actually had a they mentioned that they have like a, a weather system in the game like oh, a really? dynamic day and night cycle and the weather system and i'm they didn't sit like i feel like they just said what that it was there not necessarily like well at night you know like the enemies are stronger or like you know when it rains like you know you, your water weapons are stronger. yeah yeah you, and when there's can, a the horse might slip no mm -hmm. uh, when there's a tornado <laughs> you can put your wingsuit on and fly around it i think yeah, their fast travel wingsuit. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm waiting for the like kind of breakdown of like when they explicitly said like here's a new system we're adding for this game and because um, that trailer was cool. It's just like it felt like I like I want to skip the part where you were picking apart the trailer and when we just know for sure what the game is going to add to yeah. the from formula. 
Uh, I checked out on their official site. There's a weird tease. Um, the president of Bandai Namco has a little statement on there saying, I am the president. Listen to me now. No, he says, we will continue to develop Elden Ring not only as a game, but also in a variety of other areas in order to deliver the worldview and charm of this title to our fans around the world. The worldview. Jeff, um, novel tie-in? Ooh. Like yeah, that's what I'm guessing. It's going to be yeah. like, there's probably going to be some novelization in there. Ironically, probably not written by George R. R. Martin. Uh, maybe like a comic book, maybe a Netflix series at some point. I feel like yeah. at that point, they, they could have developed this property with like, hey, people really like our games. And if we announced a, a Netflix series, people would be pretty excited about that. And honestly, if you have like a world that's been partly established by George R. R. Martin, that seems like a pretty easy pitch if you're going mm-hmm. to a Netflix or an Amazon and saying like, hey, look at this property. From Software Games are this popular and we have a world from George R. R. Martin that'll look great in the trailer. Who's going to say no to that? Uh, we can't. If they pitched it to MinMax, we'd have to create a whole new show about right. it. The Elden Ring show. We're going to uh, need a really high Patreon goal for that. Yep. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get it, by God. Um, Janet, what was your favorite thing from the entire press conference here? Honestly, the thing that sticks out the most is Metal Slug Tactics. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's probably the most surprising thing for me. Yeah, yes, and it was it was it had it all. It was surprising. I feel pretty confident that it's at least going to be a good game because Metal Slug's pretty solid. You know, it's like your classic run and gun situation. We're going from left to right. What's not to like? You know, you're yeah. just shooting things up. And um, I've been increasingly getting into tactics games, especially games that are that use sort of an established IP as the fulcrum for tactics. So like I've probably first really started with Mario plus rabbits and then I've since dipped into like Overland a bit and a couple other things. So I'm like, okay, it feels what I'm excited about with this is it feels like it'll be most likely a more approachable tactics games. Like oftentimes when you have these sort of genre twisted franchises, they're a little bit easier than like a straight up from the ground up tactics game. So yeah. And the art looked really cool. So I was like, excited new thing i mean i'm into it yeah, yeah. They, they, they mentioned actually that it's gonna have roguelike elements so it feels very it, it's probably gonna be run based versus like here's a series of levels um but that almost seems like more in line with metal slug where it just feels like well you i died x number of times i'm out of quarters so i have to start over um so like that could be cool and it seems like the perspective definitely feels very into the breach inspired which could be yeah like like if it, if those two things right like make me think like this is like we wanted to make a game like uh into the breach and we have the i think the the metal select license which i'm all into like that animation i think looks pretty cool and like the actual art style in game looks pretty faithful to metal slugs so uh yeah i'm really into it i'm looking forward to it they haven't announced the release date but i'm hoping it's this year that'd be super cool but who yeah knows? i thought it was a really cool way to like to make one of the earlier announcements in the Summer Game Fest, yeah, the return of Metal Slug as a, you know, pixelated tactics game. So, yes, that is the perfect level of E3 announcement that nobody could have predicted, but it's like, oh, pleasant surprise, cool, old Metal Slug coming back to say hi in a new form. Yeah, it, it feels like in that, I, it, it's possible that that game could have leaked at some point where it's like, here's a list of things that, like, this hottie E3 leaker was, like, posting. And it's like, well, there's no, like, he announced Zelda and, like, what Elden Ring. And then he talks about Metal Gear or Metal Slug Tactics. And everyone just kind of glosses over that, right? But right. seeing it in action, in an actual reveal, it's, like, the thing I came out of that conference kind of, like, most surprised by. Of Like, this looks super cool and I want to play it. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, I'm as a Borderlands fan. Where'd you land on what they kicked off the whole show with, which is Tiny Tina's Wonderlands from Gearbox? 
confused. Okay, all right. How, how are you feeling? What's confusing? Um, the part when they said it's not a Borderlands game. So, this is confusing. So it's inspired by the Assault on Dragon Keep DLC from Borderlands Two, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of spinning it out where it's like, okay, now it's just an opportunity to kind of tackle a fantasy game that as they put it, yeah, is not a Borderlands game, but if you're a fan of Borderlands, you're going to recognize some things, and it's still a looter shooter, except now you have magic as an option. Sure. But what if I told you that Andy Samberg, Will Arnett, and Wanda Sykes are in it? Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I didn't didn't get into... I, I didn't get into uh, Borderlands Three that much. Um, I think I'm I'm my trajectory. I've I've kind of gone out of the orbit of Borderlands, and so I'm sure you know, like Margaret back at GI. I'm sure oh she was super happy to happy to see that announcement. Yeah, um, and as I mean, as far as Borderlands stuff goes, like people really like Tiny Tina and. And I like Ashley Birch as a voice actress and all that stuff. So. That's a that's a fun spin-off. If you're gonna make a spin-off of Borderlands, that's a great place to start, I think. Yeah, let's gearbox flex some new muscles. It's fascinating to think of this coming out this game coming out with 2K publishing it, but this is after Gearbox has been uh they put it merged, but acquired seemingly with Embracer Group. And so it's that confusing thing of like, okay, they still own Gear or Borderlands, I believe, but they're still now working with 2K, another publisher to release this. Is this going to be the last big Borderlands thing before kind of the new era of Gearbox? It's just a weird time for this, but it's coming out early 2022 and you can customize your character in this one was a a talking point for them out of the gate. But yeah, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. All right, it's, you know what? That's, That's another good E3 thing. Nobody could have predicted that before it leaked a couple days ago. Um, let's see. Serial, anything else catch your eye? Uh, from the Summer Games Fest stuff, uh, I guess we'd have to probably do the rundown because, like, I want to say there was at least one other thing, but I can't remember it. It was probably... One more thing. <laughs> well, what about this? How about when they got to their one more thing so early on when Hideo Kojima took to the Zoom call himself <laughs> to talk for a while about the future of his creative visions. It was really yeah. fascinating. It was, it was mostly he, 9-11. He did mention 9-11. It was, it was a bit of that, right? Like, he he sort of implied that, I don't think he literally thinks this, but he did, funnily enough, sort of imply that his art could, like, lead to things happening in the world. Because, like, I, I made something <laughs> so dark, and then, you know, with COVID, death, you know, it, all the, all everything came crashing down, so... I'm trying to make it fun, make it light again, you know? It was just, like, it was very, it was very odd. But then, at the same time of talking about, like, making things, making games that are fun, he's like, I also, though, want players to learn something. And I'm like, well, I don't, what do you, what do you got in mind here? Like, is it, like, a typing (laughs) game? Like, what's happening? It's mainly a typing game. So he didn't announce a new game. He did announce something, which we'll get to in a bit. But, yeah, so he just kind of talked about how, in a post-COVID world, uh, First of all, yeah, he says, I need to, quote, I need to really consider which prediction I make next and which ways I introduce ideas to the player. So he seemed to be connecting the idea that he was foreshadowing the future with his games in the past, including Death Stranding, and now it came true and it was really dark and sad with COVID. And so he, it, maybe this is too much of an assumption, but it seemed like his take was 
I kind of want to focus on being lighter and more entertaining and gamey in the future, but I want you to learn something, which is the the odd twist there. Um, and also, so he, here's more Death Stranding. I was like, what happens to the lighthearted? The, the lighthearted? <laughs> right. So they announced Death Stranding director's cut with maybe one of the strangest trailers I've ever seen. And that's saying something for Death Stranding. But honestly, in terms of Death Stranding trailers, quietly, this might be number one for just the strangest trailer. Jeff, can you walk through what we saw there? Yeah, so uh, Norm, Norman, what's his name? Big old Norman, Normie boy. Big old Norm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Norman Reedus was sneaking into a facility. We were all thinking, hey, this kind of has Metal Gear vibes. And then he saw a cardboard box on a shelf somewhere. And he picked it up and he shook it a little and he winked at the camera or something. I can't remember. <laughs> and then he poured out he poured out a bunch of oranges because it was full of oranges. Enemies just keeping boxes of oranges around. And the oranges looked good. But then he put it down on the ground and he looked at it a little bit more and puzzled. And then he jumped inside and he kind of crouched there for a second. And then he jumped out of the box and then he put it back on the shelf. And then it said, created and produced by Hideo Kojima. <laughs> and then we all said, what the hell did we just watch? There's also like a rat. It's just like filled with Metal Gear references. You know, he got oranges instead of watermelons here. It was just the biggest zero of a trailer for like building up for like, are they doing some crossover with Metal Gear or is this going to be like a more stealth focused area in the director's cut? And it kind of just left you with, yeah, we got close to a box and then we decided no. What, what's the conclusion? I, I do think that's what they're going for is the latter of, uh, I think the director's cut is probably going to have like bonus content that is kind of them doing like stealth gameplay just to, as like a, you know, hearkening back to to Metal Gear. Yeah. Um, because like that kind of interior does, is not in Death Stranding. Like those those interior areas are just not a part of the game. Like that game takes place entirely outside. Uh, so it does feel like, OK, we're adding some compounds that you could sneak through is is to me what that what that trailer showed. But I think the like the the whole thing with the box, I think it's just going to be like, yeah, we're going to be stealth, but it's like it's not going to be like Metal Gear stealth. It's going to be like closer to maybe maybe the BT stuff or or it's just going to be more traditional stealth, but without the boxes is I think what they were getting at there. Yeah. By the way, people watching us live are correcting me in a raw fury in the chat saying that the boxes from Metal Gear Solid 2 say orange box on them. Thank you. Oh, mm. Jana, congratulations on your little baby girl. Thank you. Um, also, before people were like, I thought you hadn't played Death Stranding. I had it, uh, but my boyfriend did and loved it and got the collector's edition. So I live with this thing now. This <laughs> baby in a vile thing. It can glow. This is the extent That's of what the way I know to talk about, about your child, Janet. <laughs> um, and so I texted him right now, like off camera. I'm like, can you bring me the Death Stranding baby? <laughs> you don't have time. <laughs> well, he's yeah, doing regular work, but uh, I'm excited about this in the sense that I've been waiting for an excuse to know why this lives in my apartment. Um, right. And I think this could be it. Uh, I'm, I'm still not sure. And I don't know if y'all have predictions for this, but what this looks like in terms of release, is it going to be a free update if you already have the game? Is it going to be a separate SKU that you have to buy? Like God. how, I don't know what the precedent is here. If y'all That's have a, a good question. Yeah. That. The precedent for modern director's cut in games. I mean, ugh. I mean, they didn't make a PS5 version of Death Stranding yet. So this is probably just that with some new content. I mean, maybe it'll be 
maybe the greatest precedent is Final Fantasy VII remake intergrade right where just 20 bucks for the intermission so maybe it'll kind of be that free upgrade overall for death stranding but then for the new content particular it'll be like a siloed thing that's 10 or 20 bucks maybe i don't know you know i'm curious to see i really want like dual sense integration too i feel like we're not going to get that because i feel like they would have said if we did but that's probably the number one thing i would want out of something because especially for someone like me who hasn't played death stranding like the idea of more death stranding is a very neutral idea because I haven't even had the Death Stranding that you gave me. So, you know, I, I would I really hope they do something as far as that, though. I'm sure it'll look and run better as well. So maybe that's yeah. enough. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. I was very excited to. OK, I got to come clean first. Uh, Jeff Goldblum coming on the screen. Uh, Jurassic Park's my favorite movie of all time. I have interviewed Jeff Goldblum myself as a thrill of a lifetime. But I think I might have to shoot the flare up that. I think maybe I've had enough Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I think I think I'm reaching that point. Janet, please sit down. Please just breathe in. But they got Jeff Goldblum to Goldblum it up all over uh, this stream, and you know, be a weird guy talking about world premieres, all that fun stuff. Uh, and then that was the lead into a big reveal for Jurassic World Evolution Two, which is the sim game that. God, it's 2018. I think was when that first one came out, um, and I really liked that game a lot, actually. Um, and so I'm looking forward to Evolution 2. And so the big hook this time around is it is taking place after Fallen Kingdom, which you Jurassic nerds know there's some big changes in the world after Fallen Kingdom. Right, Surreal? Yeah, that's right. As a fellow Jurassic head, uh, I definitely am following this. Okay, great. Um, so it seems like it's not so much on the island now. It's just, okay, dinosaurs are all around the world and you're trying to corral them or help them and basically build parks probably just anywhere in the world instead of just outside of the five deaths or whatever um and they said that uh jeff goldblum's gonna be in it and bryce dallas howard her character claire is gonna be in it uh, throughout the game and they also have a new mode called chaos theory where they go back and you can recreate moments from the film and then you see if those are changed uh so we'll see how all that works uh but oh also there's now flying and marine dinosaurs is a big thing so i'm looking forward to it and it's coming out in 2021 so sooner than you'd think which is nice to see here um let's see janet what else do we miss what else stands out from the summer game fest fable finally got a release date which i'm excited about that's one of the many like cool indies that have been that usually get highlighted in a bigger stage is how i'd phrase it obviously we have like indie stuff happening all the time but uh, yeah, Sable, September 23rd, it's super stylish. It kind of looks like comic booky. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just am really looking forward to that. And we also saw a new trailer for Solar Ash. So those are kind of the two marquee, I think, indie moments of the of the showcase. Yeah, something that maybe I didn't react enough during the, the reaction stream for this, but looking at it afterwards, I'm really excited about it. Is that Planet of Lana or Lana game, yeah. however you pronounce that? But that one too. It, so it's called Planet of Lana. Lana an off-earth odyssey and it's coming 2022 from like this small uh swedish studio called wishfully but it, it kind of looks like happy inside where it's like okay you're on a 2d plane exploring this crazy world a lot of puzzles along the way it kind of had like ori vibes as well but i'm definitely putting planet of lana on my radar something to look forward to um still alive. what's that tunic is still alive yep they're still Not showing new things for tunic but they're like, I'm working on it. I've been working on it for six years. And I was like, it's going to be all okay. Like, part of me is a little afraid. I'm like, I hope this game is good, if not great or higher, because it's just been so hyped that I'm like, oh, when's it going to come? And then is it going to be like, you know, 
I guess, up to everyone's expectations. But there's a new demo coming out for it, which was also talked about that like ID and Xbox would have some stuff, I think, starting Tuesday. And then Steam, is it called Next? Next Fest? Yeah. Next Fest? Right? That sounds right. That's like Wednesday. So yeah, Steam's Next Lander. Yeah. Um, also on that indie front, um, uh, Shuhei Yoshida came on the stream. It was nice to see him real quick. Uh, he mentioned briefly a game called Chicory, C-H-I-C-O-R-Y, which I'm really looking forward to. It came out today. Reviews seem to be really good, uh, which I'm really yeah. excited about. Um, so it's, oh boy, you're going around coloring a world, but then there's a darker sub-theme as well. But it's from the creator of Wandersong, which is one of my favorite indie games from probably 2018, 2019, a couple years back. And then the composer, Janet, is... Lena Rain, who worked on the Celeste soundtrack, or made the Celeste soundtrack, and also has done a bunch of other really cool projects. Lena Rain does not miss, and I'm sure she's bringing the heat on this one, so I'm excited. Yeah, I just listened to um, this interview with her on um, Game Maker's Notebook Toolkit? What's it called? But Austin Winery did the interview with her, and I didn't realize that she worked on Guild Wars. And she made like this little in-game Guild Wars thing. And that's how she got her start was basically just like a jokey seasonal song. And then they're like, hey, this is actually really good. We can actually orchestrate this and put this in the game. And that just snowballed into her entire career. But Chicory is the name of that game. We'll talk about it probably on the next main episode of the Max Show podcast. Um, let's see. Deviation Games. Um, Jason Blundell, who's kind of the, the godfather of the zombie mode uh, for Call of Duty. He left Treyarch. Um, and co-founded Deviation Games, and they announced that they're working with PlayStation um, and kind of that new era of big PlayStation partnerships where they had the new Jade Raymond studio. They had the studio from, oh, what is it? Probably Monsters, I believe, is the overall former head of Bungie went to form the studio with a bunch of sub-studios, and one of those is also partnered with PlayStation. So kind of planting some seeds for new IP in the future. Uh, let's see. I think those are the big beats. Does anybody else have something from Summer Game Fest that stands out? There's a, uh, a short trailer for Tales of Arise, which I've yeah. actually, like, I, I think I've been quietly kind of excited for that game. I haven't played in a, a Tales game for a while, but I want to say they mentioned that this would be kind of a more open world uh, type Tales game. Like, I, I think my impression of it until now was that it was going to be kind of a, a shift for the series. Uh, I'm not sure where I got that from, but it definitely seems like it looks really nice. Uh, yeah. I think the, the art style looks really cool. Uh, it's also out in September, which is surprising. Uh, like I, that kind of snuck up on me. So I'm, uh, I'm putting that on my watch list for games coming out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we can't, uh, we can't leave this section without talking about that sweet Sonic concert, where it's like they talked about a Sonic <laughs> Orchestra yeah, soundtrack, and it's like, or like a whole, you know, sequence in the in this stream where they're just gonna have a orchestra play a bunch of Sonic music. It's all right. That sounds great. And then, as far as I could tell, it was just a medley of songs from Sonic Unleashed. And that was it. Like, maybe... What could it mean? Maybe everyone's sick of, like, Green Hill Zone or something. It was like, just play some good old classic Sonic music. But, all right, there's probably a lot of nostalgic fans for Sonic Unleashed at this point. I won't tell them what to do with their lives and their IP. Um, Janet, after the Summer Game Fest ended, there was um, the Day of the Devs. The Double Fine and our dear friends i8bit uh, showed off some more indie games. And you watched some of that? Yeah, I think I watched close to all of it. Um, nice. Almost all of it was honestly really enjoyable. If you're a fan of indies, I encourage you to check it out. Uh, I will say, if you've been following the indie scene really closely, you probably have seen a good amount of these games. Uh, games like Soup Pot were there. Um, games like all the other games have left my mind were there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you, the, some of these were like recurring ones. Or like, uh, for instance, I believe it's Route 96, the procedurally generated. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I might be off on the number part of that name, but like, 
that game showed up. So there definitely were some familiar um, faces in terms of that. But yeah, just a whole bunch of really interesting stuff. Uh, almost everything I had like some level of interest on. Uh, Garden Story was there. Like it was, it was just like a whole bunch of different, uh, different things, and a lot of like straight to cam devs kind of talking about their process and their ideas and how long they've been working on stuff. And it went by really quickly. Like one thing I really like about these, um, and a lot of folks, you know, I saw in the, in the chat or on the internet are like, oh. Games Fest, it's just a bunch of ads, you know, presented by Prime. And oh yeah, that's yeah. true. You can also argue all trailers are ads, but we'll talk about that later. But for this, it's like straight up gameplay, trailer, people talking over it. Like if you're looking for, you just want that kind of content, these showcases often are just packed to the brim with stuff like that. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I watched a lot of it too. And I think the, some of the latter half of that presentation definitely spoke to me. Like there was, there was a, a couple of games that I do, I do want to shout out that I thought looked really cool. Yeah. Um yeah, the name of the game was Road 96. That that roguelike yes. thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, did you have specifics of ones that you wanted to shout yeah, out? Yeah. So, uh, the the kind of three that I want to kind of quickly go over is uh there was one called Walk, which is like a really cool uh I think it's made I I'm not sure if it's published or made by Asobu, which is like a, a collection of like indie developers in Japan. Um so I think it felt like it was part of an initiative more than an actual company, but they're pitching it as like this is kind of like the first game from Asobu. Um and it's like this kind of it's like a Japanese horror game and by which I mean it, it takes place in Japan and it uses like fixed uh camera angles that look like kind of photorealistic uh images of Japan of like Japanese parking lots and like really dark uh cramped spaces. Uh and it's got like this really strong like computerized VHS filter over the whole thing. And so you're moving uh, across as like a uh, kind of like a PlayStation esque looking character, like a very polygonal character, but like the VHS thing kind of makes you look like a real person. And so you're just kind of wandering around and kind of doing a lot of like Resident Evil esque or like Silent Hill esque puzzle solving. Uh, so look, like the aesthetic I thought was like really strong. Um, and there was a there was Loot River, which uh, is an interesting kind of like roguelike, which has like the kind of the big hook is that you're kind of moving on a series of platforms that are kind of like, if you think of them as like Tetris pieces, you can slide the individual pieces around. So like as you're fighting an enemy, you can like say, well, well I want to split these enemies up and I want to move to this other side. So I'm taking, I'm like, let's say if you're on a T block, for example, you can kind of wait for an enemy to move onto your raft like that you're on and then move the entire thing so that you're only fighting the one enemy. Uh, so you're kind of huh. moving the combat, like the arena around as you're playing. Um, and beyond that, it feels like a very like 2D Dark Souls kind of thing where you're waiting for enemies to attack and then parrying them or dodging out of the way, things like that. And they're like enemies that can, you know, like there's like a, a mage that can kind of bind tiles uh, to prevent you from moving them uh, until they're defeated. So they're, that one I thought was pretty cool. And then the last one is very weird. It's called uh, Despelote, which is from a Latin American developer, and it is a game where you're just kind of kicking a soccer ball, uh, Ecuador as it, as it's like, uh, as like it's qualified for the world cup or whatever. So there's a lot of people excited about soccer in Ecuador at the moment. Uh, and so like the, the backgrounds are like, again, very, it feels like they made a 3d world out of like high res 2d images of Ecuador at that time. It's super uh, grainy. Yeah. So oh, it, it looks like they, they took like, uh, almost like photorealistic like google maps-esque images and just turned them into a world and then they added like a very strong like magenta filter over it so the entire cd looks very like pixelated 
but you're moving around in 3D space and like it looks like most of the game is just like you're kicking a, ro- a ball around the city and just seeing what like how people respond to it. So like you'll trigger conversations Weird. by kicking like a ball back and forth between your friends and you're like this kind of like grade school kid. Uh, and like all the dialogue feels like it's just ambient. Um, I'm very curious to see like how that leads to like an interesting story. Um, but it looked pretty cool. Like it, it, like this is kind of like the more surprising stuff that feels more conceptually interesting than a lot of like the the big reveals from the from Summer Games Fest. You know what's hilarious about what you had just mentioned is that literally all three of the games you mentioned are the ones that I was least interested in. Oh, really? <laughs> but yes, it's so fun. Like I wasn't gonna bring them up obviously because I'm like, well, I don't, I don't, I wasn't that interested in them. But I think that's su- such a good example though of like the breadth of what the showcase has because like it's just so many different styles and genres um the the one i was most interested of the ones you named though was the uh they described it as tetris and diallo had a baby the one where you're moving the pieces around yeah um but yeah like there's just so so i think no matter like what kind of games you lean toward you would probably watch the showcase and find at least a few things to get excited about um one quick one i want to mention too that i forgot to get to is a game called death's door it's coming out this summer um and you're like reaping the souls of the dead i think we it was shown off before you play i think as a crow you're like a crow that's like working for like the reaper or something and you're like collecting souls and it sort of has this top down um kind of look to it but yeah i just think that's really like just so telling that like you can walk away and be most excited about the things that i was least excited about and most likely vice versa um i'm guessing if we went down my list as well yeah i've never seen watch it if you missed it I've never seen a more heartbroken surreal than when you announced that. Like his, y- you can go through frame by frame and see the moment when his heart shatters. It's really. Oh my God, no. <laughs> no, I, I think I think she's right in the, in that. Uh, I think the the cool thing about indie streams is that like there it, it does uh, on an individual basis going to be like more hit and miss. Um, but I think the things that hit are going to hit really strongly because I think indie projects by like just their nature are just going to be like very kind of like more hit or miss but like the hits are much stronger than like this feels right. like it resonates more personally with me than something like you know like an elden ring is like a thing that i'm really into but it's like it's not like my interest in it is not as special because i know that it is like a very popular very like all around like everyone is interested in this versus right. like you know just below it feels like a concept that is like very new and not it's not going to appeal to people but it looks like something that could be really interesting and original to me yeah so check out the day of the dev stream if you want some some yeah. more gameplay from indie games um Real quick, too, we should touch on Playdate. Uh, we had a reaction stream to really kind of kick off all this E3 stuff where Janet and I checked out uh, Panic, the company that, strangely enough, published Firewatch. They're developing uh, an indie-focused handheld. You might have seen it. It's like a yellow square, and then it's got a big old crank on the side of it. And there was only one fishing game out of all the games it's they showed. It's really mind-boggling that they only got to one. Um, but Janet, what stood out to you about uh, the big Playdate showcase there? They're also doing accessories for it, and one of them is a speaker that you like slide it into, and it can hold a pen as well. <laughs> I swear I'm not making this up. It sounds like I'm just naming things. For what reason um, would that be there? Why not? I guess like, yeah. Because okay. it just so it can be. Well, my my joking theory is that everyone knows that gamers don't actually play games. It's like we just buy games and have things on our shelves. So yeah. it's like, hey. Even if you don't play this a lot, you got a place to put a pen, can listen to some tunes, like you're going to get the use out of it. But uh, what really stood out to me was the candidness of the developers and the yeah. team. Um, I think they're obviously working very hard to get the product out and they've been keeping posting updates, even though this is their first like 
showcase level update, but they're very much like, hey, we're going to make this happen. Pre-orders are going to drop. You'll have a week's notice. Everyone can pre-order. So we'll see how that goes. But they said everyone can pre-order. You just might get yours later. So stuff like that really stood out. And it's wild, too, because their pitch is, okay, you buy this thing, which is 179 I believe, U.S. dollars. Yep. Um, and then you get all the games for free and they come in season. So it's like season one's games. It's just going to be a bunch of these indie people, you know, like Lucas Pope uh, from Papers, Please and Return of Oberdin. He's making a game for the playdate called Mars After Midnight, which looks like you're a bouncer at a therapy session on Mars. I don't know exactly what was going on there, but the but the goal of the playdate is like each morning you can wake up and it's like, oh, a new game is here. It's just some renowned indie developer creating something that looks just north of an original Game Boy game. And it's a, it's a cool pitch. Uh, and the weekly releases, right? And did, yeah. for the first launch, it's is two it, games is a week, it the weekly yeah. for the launch? Okay. Two, uh, two games a week? That's what you're saying, Serial? Yeah, I think it's two games per week. I don't know. If, I, I'm guessing there's going to be two at launch in, at least. Um, I but they're I, good. I'm so scared. Yeah, but that's I, the amazing I would, thing. Like, I would imagine. <laughs> I mean, on that candid front, that's the crazy thing is like, you know, when they have people from Panic talking about it, he's like, look, some of these games aren't going to be for you. We know they're going to be weird, but by and large, please, please give them a chance. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's you know, we talked about it on the stream, but it, it feels like a hipster Ouya, Janet. Like that's that's the best way to describe what's going on here. Where it's like, God, that is a cool little thing. If you're excited about a new game from Lucas Pope and Bennett Foddy that kind of looks like an old Game Boy game and it's on a tiny handheld with a crank. All right, play dates for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited about it. I'm probably going to get one of these. I like, think I, I'm I will one try too. to pre-order one, which is not something I could uh, would have ever, ever said about the Ouya. So I'm more excited about this than I am the Ouya. But like, I like that idea. It feels very like self-contained and manageable. Um, and like a counter to the idea that like every big game release is like 60 hours long in this really huge investment. I like, I imagine most of these games are probably going to be like single digit hours, right? Uh, 80 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it seems like, okay. And you know, I would almost want to have like a book club where it's just like us talking about like, like, Hey, let's talk about the two games that came out this week and just follow it along. Uh, just so that in a way that feels more manageable of just like, if you want kind of like a break from the discourse about games in general. It feels like you can have kind of like a smaller, more manageable version of that with this. So, so you want the deepest yeah. dive on Playdate just to run forever? Yeah, just, just like a whole season of Playdate episodes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think this this could be pretty cool. And obviously I don't expect it to be like, you know, take over the world or be like the next big trend in gaming. Um, but honestly, I would want an HDMI out, uh, an HDMI out for this thing. I think it's maybe the one thing that I would really want because I think... It, this this is a device that could benefit from people seeing the games themselves and like oh this is really cool i should check this out and without the hdmi yeah. out it's going to be hard to like stream these games or you know uh and get the word out about like oh lucas pope's new game is like amazing and yeah. you should you should get a play day just for that or whatever but without you know someone streaming it which also you can make games for it yeah right. the other thing there's so much that came out of it yeah you can um Basically, it'll be on like a web browser, so it's not like built into the console directly. Yeah, like, you would have to go on your computer, but you can make games for it and put the games on there. They didn't really discuss like distribution. Like, can I make a game and then have like Ben play it? Like, I don't, I'm not sure if that's how possible that is. But yeah. that was also surprising, which I, I think we're seeing so much of that in like the main, even the play. It's not mainstream, but it's getting mainstream press. So I, I kind of consider it a little kind of you know indie mainstream. Yeah. But there's so much coming out of like the game creation space with like Dreams and like Game Maker and Mario Maker and like Game Built the Garage. I mean, like I think that's also just really exciting for people that are 
developing the space for people just starting out. Like, I think that's so cool. Yeah. And and honestly, the thing about the, the play to creation stuff that might be super appealing is that it feels like you have a more direct pipeline to the actual publishers, right? So like, there's a bigger chance that like, you know, like if someone makes a really cool game using those tools that Playdate will just say like, well, we'll just make it part of season two and, you mm -hmm. know, compensate them for that, which is not something you can say of anything like Dreams or the, like the Mario Maker stuff is Good that point, you, yeah. there's a there's a there's a system in place that could directly lead you making money off of the game you make in Playdate. Yeah, it has so much goodwill going for it now. Yeah, you know, but it has a similar model in a way as like Apple Arcade. So it's interesting to feel the Apple Arcade enthusiasm yeah. kind of going up and down, not quite cracking that cool, let's support, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world vibe with Apple, whereas like yeah. when it comes to Playdate and Panic, it's like, yeah, okay. Hey, I'm into that I weird game subscription thing now. Yeah. I don't need to have an iPhone to play Playdate, which is one of the more appealing things about it, right? Yeah. So uh, get ready for that weird anomaly throughout the rest of the time in the game industry is years from now, people going, remember Playdate? I still play mine. There's some good stuff. Um, hey, Jeff, do you know how this whole thing operates? Uh, orchestra music. Orchestra and music. And Unleashed, specifically. Oh, I love orchestra music. I also <laughs> love patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. You go over there, support us at any tier. You can jump into the wonderful Discord and unlock benefits, including the exclusive podcast feed, which has World the exclusive. World exclusive, which has the podcast version of Max Spoilers, The Deepest Dive, including for the ups upcoming Final Fantasy VII Remake DLC, but also has the previous Deepest Dive for the Final Fantasy VII Remake in the feed as well, which Jeffum, I think is our best Deepest Dive. So if you've never checked that out, you can unlock that in the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. But thank you to some of MinMax's biggest supporters. You know who I'm talking about. New supporters like Best of the Rest podcast. They say each week on Best of the Rest, we take a second look at a superhero movie that was poorly received upon release and only talk about what the movie does well. It's sometimes a challenge, but always a good time. Best of the Rest is hosted by community member Chris Logan, along with friend and comic book expert Andrew Williams. Together, they aim to create fun, positive, and entertaining discussion on movies that the internet usually tears apart. Jump right into the latest episode on Judge Dredd or check out the past episodes on Green Lantern and be sure to subscribe to hear future episodes like Ang Lee's Hulk. Hell yeah. Available wherever you get your podcast. It's the best of the rest. Thanks for your support, folks, and Chris Logan. Uh, also, thanks to Fixture Gaming. They want everybody to know about the Fixture S1. The Fixture S1 Pro Controller Clip is available on Amazon and the Fixture Gaming website. Uh, it's available in gray or red and blue. It's $35 but you get $5 off the Fixer S1 if you use the promo code MINMAX. All one word. How many ends are in MINMAX, Jeffem? Two. Two, that's right. So check out Fixer Gaming's Fixer S1. If you like the Switch Pro Controller, who doesn't? It's a lovely Pro Controller, a controller in general. You can attach the Switch screen onto this with the Fixer S1 clip. It's a very handy way to have the best feeling controller and still be able to go on the go with the Switch. So check out Fixer Gaming and the Fixer S1. Also, thanks to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. They say there's at least one video game that's close to your heart from an impactful, specific moment in your life. Call Me By Your Game is a podcast that dives into these very experiences. It's an intimate look at what makes video games special for different people. On each episode, our host, Connor McCabe, sits down with a guest to discuss a special game from their past. They dive into what the guest loved about the game and also what was memorable about the time in their life when they first fell in love with it. Check us out wherever you get your podcast, and maybe someday you'll call me by your game. Uh, the latest episode, I didn't listen to it yet, but it's about Dr. Mario, and they say the guest is Kermit the Frog. Hey, that's a get. 
Yeah. Also, uh, thanks to our new supporter, George R. R. Martin. He says, rise, tarnished, and be guided by grace to brandish the power of the Elden Ring and become an Elden Lord. No. Um, also, thanks to I Am 8-Bit for being big supporters of ours. Uh, they want everybody to know about the Manifold Garden soundtrack on vinyl. It's the double album with stunning architectural pop-up art by The Fourth Focus. There's a limited edition. This is limited, everybody. Only 1,000 of these are made, so you can check them out at I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. The music is by Larissa Okado, and of course, the vinyl album includes the digital soundtrack. So go check out I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store, and you can get 10% off everything under $100 by using the promo code SOLSTICE. SOLSTICE, just like the fantastic NES game with one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Um, and I Am 8-Bit is so generous and such wonderful supporters of ours that they ship out a prize from their online store each and every week to the MinMax community, whoever has the best question of the week. And this week, the winner gets the Battletoads soundtrack. The Battletoads vinyl soundtrack, the double album with the new soundtrack and the old soundtrack. So we're going to read off all these wonderful questions that were submitted over on Patreon by people who support us at any tier on Patreon. And then we're going to choose number one favorite, Jeff, no matter what, okay? Okay? Ready. All right, Grizzle Gaming submits a question on Patreon and says, E3 hype! Yes. Hype. I, I think we all agree Ooh. with that. I'm sorry, Serial, could I get an E3 hype out of you? E3 hype! There it is, everybody. That's energy. Adrian Torres writes in, he says, So that Wonderlands trailer with all the stars mentioned in the cast up front, did that work for you? I'm sure other games have done this before, but I can't remember anything with such a prominent focus. I can't help but wonder if they could have saved significantly on budget, especially because, in my opinion, I don't think movie stars really sell video games. Unless that's going to be a thing now? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I, I can't imagine someone's going to be like, I'm a big Will Arnett fan. And I'm probably one of the bigger Will Arnett fans out there. But unless they make, like, a Matt Hazard joke, mm. like, I don't know that I... I don't know that I care about the star power in a lot of games. Because I think... The, the performances from celebrities in video games are really haphazard. So it's like, am I going to get the Will Arnett who actually cares about his performance in this game, right? Like, uh, so like, yeah, it, it, it never feels like, oh, this, this celebrity's in this game. I can't wait to try because of that. Here's the gross reality, though. I mean, are they paying for these actors to be in the game or are they paying for the promotion? Are they paying so that Will Arnett will also be tweeting about Wonderlands, mm -hmm. which is going to be part of the contract, right? Yeah, I wonder if he like perform the actual performances in Afterthought versus like we get to advertise that Will Arnett and Wanda Sykes are in our game. I think it's part of it. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. all about the headline, right? You're just trying to grab attention for this thing any way you can, and I guess making it star-studded. Yeah. But it's weird when you combine this with like the Borderlands movie, which seems to have every star under the sun. They got Kevin Hart, they got Jack Black, they got Helen Mirren. I mean, it's just wait, Helen Mirren, or is it the other one that I always combine them with? Kate Blanchett? Kate Blanchett. They probably have both of those wonderful actors in the game. But it's just weird for Gearbox to be like all in on star power now. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, I guess. Yeah, well, they got that Embracer Group money now. Combine yeah. that with 2K, they got that GTA money. You kidding me? That's where all this is coming from. Yeah, there's also like that aspect of, well, they have so much money. Like, I guess, you know, maybe people on that team wanted to beat Will Arnett. And they're like, well, if we can pay for it and then he gets to be in the game and then we can advertise it. I guess that's just a fun bonus for us to spend a day with Will Arnett or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's it was cool in the trailer to have like Ashley Birch's name right next to Andy Samberg. It was like, yeah, one of us, one of <laughs> us. Uh, Fred DeNovo says, hey, is Jeff just trying to ignore E3? 
Uh, this is Geoff, I should mention, Keely. He said he keeps oh, including... I was like, what? And I was like, that's a weird... I'm lead. like, we're looking just right here. <laughs> he won't acknowledge it. It's really weird. He keeps that's including cool. events announced as part of E3 as Summer Games Fest events without ever mentioning E3. It's a bold move. I hope it pays off for him. So this is the weird era that we're in. This is uh, Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest where they don't mention E3 in it. It's not technically part of E3, but everybody assumes that it is connected. And then where it gets really bizarre is when at the end of Summer Games Fest, he's like, all right, stay tuned to Summer Games Fest, everybody, because we got the Microsoft Showcase coming up and the Ubisoft Showcase coming up and the Nintendo Direct Showcase coming up and all that stuff. And it's like, what an interesting way of framing that, where it's no longer E3's press conferences. It is technically all those companies' press conferences, and E3 just happens to also be co-streaming it. It's a fun new era just to be like, yeah, I guess... Anybody can claim that that's part of, you know, the Microsoft showcase is definitely part of MinMax's uh, E3 coverage. I'm sorry, just MinMax's coverage. It's all part of the MinMax umbrella because we're going to be streaming it. Yeah, Jeff, what do you think about this new era? Yeah, I mean, I think it. you you had mentioned how you appreciate that, you know, Jeff Keighley kind of stepped into this void that E3 and the ESA caused, you know, before by by. And I, I think it, it has gone, you know, like several years back of just like it's it started to not be a great deal for publishers and some publishers just, you know, like start they were threatening to leave and then they started to leave. And I feel like the ESA just didn't make it enticing enough for them to stay. And so you you mentioned you, you appreciated that Jeff Keighley was trying to create this larger umbrella for everyone to be under it. But my. My impression this year is that we've just kind of outgrown that umbrella and that need for a wrapper of like every like someone to bring all these people together. Like every every publisher is going to do some kind of show in the summer. They're not even particularly interested in sticking to like a specific time. Like they're going to go when they want to in this kind of more general window. Yeah. And people just know to watch at that time. And so now you just kind of have Jeff Keighley and E3 kind of trying to wrap everything up, saying like, no, I'm, I'm important this for this is thing us. that's this happening is us. for the summer. It's it's all me, you know? And it's it's just not necessary at this point. Like, nin Nintendo kind of laid the bl blueprint for everyone doing their own thing, and now everyone's just doing their own thing. And it's it's nice that it's all kind of together in this general window, but we shouldn't get too caught in the weeds of like, who is the official host of these festivities? I hear you. Oh, sorry, I was yeah. going to say something. No, I, I just think for the end consumer, it's all going to bleed into one thing, and they're just going to call it E3. Like, yeah, there was some other games fest, but like, I don't think people are too interested in the like the, the distinction between all the different parties trying to make it their own thing. So I think for the end users, like, hey, remember E3 last year? Uh, I don't think anyone's going to specifically say like, "Hey, remember Summer Games Fest and mm -hmm. the Nintendo Showcase and the Microsoft Showcase?" Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I think it's it's just part of E3, which the ESA technically is like the owner of that, but they're they feel like the least relevant party uh, in the whole thing. Yeah, but okay, five years from now, will E3 exist? I mean, is the ESA and the idea of this show going to crumble within? I mean, let's say ten years, realistically. Ten years from now, will it just be gone? What's that, Janet? Ten years, it will be gone, I think. Five yeah. years, I'm going to say no. I think it's going to have, like, a very slow and cold death. And I wouldn't be surprised if, even in ten years from now, it's still around, but just not what it used to be. And, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see 
especially with what you mentioned, Surreal, with like, oh, when people think of this season, they're going to think of how E3 was last year. They're not going to say, oh, Summer of Gaming, all these things. You know, I, I imagine Jeff would want people to say how Summer of Gaming was and kind of lump E3 underneath that. So I think, if anything, E3 might still exist, but it would just be part of a larger thing. And the larger thing is like a TBD name, brand, and like company or person identity. Well, I think that's what Jeff Keighley is placing the bet yeah. on in a big way, that if E3 continues to fade... And then he has the funding to make this happen. And Summer Game Fest is broad enough of a label where it can be that loose umbrella over everything. Then he might be the last person standing. And maybe 10 years from now, it'll just be, you know, Summer Game Fest. Like like he's just going to outlast them and, and yeah. wear down all the competition. But it's I, I still like it is a summer of gaming stuff, you know, like are are. Is Xbox going to have Summer of Gaming branded, you know, like on their live stream or any of that stuff? Are they no. going to continue putting E3 on there or is it just going to be, hey, this is the Xbox showcase. That's what you're it watching. Can't be Summer of Gaming because that's IGN's thing. Right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, they wouldn't. I don't think now they even put E3 on there for Microsoft. I know they're still part of the ESA, but I'd be surprised if anywhere in the official Microsoft branding, they even call it E3. I bet they don't. Yeah. So, but so to, for me, that's where like, it's not really Jeff Keighley's thing. Like Jeff Keighley can do his show at the beginning of summer and maybe people will somehow associate that with, and he can continue saying, hey, this is all stuff under my umbrella, but I don't think people are going to think of it that way or care, you know, that much about Jeff Keighley's show. Yeah, I do like that just the era of the game industry that we're in, it's a bunch of people competing to say, hey, look at my umbrella. It's Yeah. <laughs> it's a good sign of the times. We're not making any of these games and we're not even really necessarily getting people on board, but we're just going to say, hey, this is our this is our get together. Mm. Standing next to the room where it happens. Like, yes, I'm not in exactly. there, but I'm right outside the door. Like someone else is cooking this great meal and then they just get to go and like lick the food real quickly. Like, this one's mine. This one's mine. This one's mine. Um, Tanner Hoisington. By the way, Janet, can your mic move closer to you? Is it further away than normal? farther uh it's not further away than normal but Ooh. i can move oh you sound better yes better? yes okay. uh tanner hoisington writes in and says ben did that weezer performance at summer game fest make you regret your words and deeds yes it did it turns out weezer is the greatest band of all time um they have toppled led zeppelin once and for all um no i like weezer to be fair i like weezer but you should have seen go back and watch that reaction stream when weezer starts playing Jeffum loses his mind as self-proclaimed Weezer fan number one. Yeah, I, I yep. feel like I have to also yell, I don't love Weezer as everyone seems to think I do. Sorry. I like That's Weezer I as heard. well. Yeah, we listened to the podcast, dude, and you were shrieking and shouting and said, I don't know, what some Weezer. I hope to like anything. I did show off my Weezer tattoo. Weezer. He said, I look just like Buddy Holly. <laughs> That's yeah. how big of a fan Ooh. I am. <laughs> And he's actually coming to us from Beverly Hills. Uh, he he mm. bought a house down there just so he could better live the lifestyle. And he's also tired of sex. Anyways, Tanner Hoisington writes in and says, uh, what's the best musical performance at a gaming show in your opinion? I love seeing the persona at the Game Awards. That was very good. That, yeah. I think usually, like those medleys that play before like the Game of the Year announcement, I think those tend to be pretty cool. I wouldn't put them in like greatest ever, but those those seem like one of the more memorable like non-game related parts of those presentations for yeah sure. i think you'd have to give it to sony was it 2016 with the live orchestra like having that live huge orchestra score all oh, of that music yeah, including that was good like the reveal of god of war we get to hear the god of war theme before you get to see the new god of war like that's that's pretty much unbeatable i think 
Um, Jordan Blaney writes in and says, hey, everybody, you get the chance to host a reaction podcast for an E3 presentation with anyone besides the other cohorts. Who do you choose to react with? Who'd be the best for reacting to an E3 press conference? I want to see Reggie Filzame talk about like, I want to see him shoot his game about various things and see how he phrases everything because it feels like he has this very, like, I need to, I need the most democratic way of saying this possible and just seeing an hour of like, what'd you think of uh, Elden Ring, Reggie? I think would be very interesting. Uh, so just having, like, Reggie, if you're listening, come on the show. Yeah. So, like, you know, it'd be Reggie watching the Summer Game Fest and he sees like the big demo for Tribes of Midgard and then he just comes yeah. back to Reggie and he goes, what a great game. Like, he just cannot yeah. lower it beyond that for anything that he sees. I've always been interested in the Tribes of Midgard. <laughs> finally, a game that lets me explore that. That game didn't seem okay. It's like Isometric Valheim. Don't mean to crap on that one. Please don't attack us, Tribes of Midgard fans. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about this. Like, my first thought is, like, just a good reactor overall. A good actor, good reactor, maybe more so, is, like, George Takei. Like, just every George Takei, like, oh, like, anytime you can get a reaction for any of the press conference, I'm like, oh, my, that that's some good reaction stuff. Or if that you want somebody good. who might know a little bit more about games, uh, Tim Schafer. I mean, funniest person in the game industry. Just get him on the stage, get him on the mic. Like, one of my favorite Giant Bomb videos uh, was, I think it was a PAX, where it was just Jeff Gersman. This was maybe PAX 2009. It was Jeff Gersman and Tim Schafer, just, like, 50 minutes raw footage of them walking around the show floor and just joking around and it was perfect it's like yes that is primo tim Schafer video content um joseph ferraro writes in and asks what was the first game series you truly became obsessed with thanks everybody and i like colorful socks you see joseph is trying to do this thing where every time he submits a comment he always puts i like colorful socks and i don't know if there's an inside joke there or not but anyways the first game you became truly obsessed with what do you think Mario. Just Mario 1? Because the because the question was franchise. You're right. right. It is franchise. You're right. Yeah, it's got to be Mario. I mean, Obsessed is a little strong, but like, I, what can I say? There's a lot of good games in that franchise. Even the bad games are good games. The worst Mario game is better than a lot of games people will make. And I know that makes me sound like a stan, but like, uh, it's just facts. And at me if I'm wrong, because I don't think <laughs> I am. Yeah, that's good. This one's tricky, because like, I love so many games, but like, Obsessed... I think it's Pokemon. I think yeah. red and blue. That's a good one. Okay, sir, I'm glad you're with me. Like, get in the I, book I and, like, not stop thinking about it, leafing through, trying to memorize stats. It's really dorky stuff. Yeah, I think it, it helped a lot that, like, it was a transmedia property, you know? So it's like right. you, could, you could play the Pokemon games, watch the Pokemon anime, like, collect, start collecting Pokemon cards and stuff. So, it, like, it felt like the first thing that, you know, when I was a kid was encompassing my entire life of, like, I'm obsessed with Pokemon in all of its forms. Because um, I was doing all of that at once, whereas mm. like, you know, I love Zelda and I love uh, Mario as individual games, but I don't know that I really got into them as like series until probably the GameCube era. So I think that for me, Pokemon was like the first thing that I'm like, this is this is just me. This is this is what defines me, you know, uh, as like a kid There's like I'm that kid who's really into Pokemon and I guess Gundam. But like Gundam is not a game franchise at that point. Right. And Jeff, was it that um Aztec game with the vertical basketball holes. Yeah. It's a joke because he's old, everybody. Yeah. The Abacus franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You got anything, Jeff? Mm, I mean, I guess it would probably be Mario 2, but also not yeah. super obsessed. Oh. 
not super obsessed with it in the same way. Just played a ton of it and really liked it as a child. So what's like the dorkiest thing you've ever done for video games, Jeff? Um, do you think? Like, dorkiest thing dork- for video games? Yeah, other than like committing your entire life to talking about him and right writing here. about him. But like, you know, as a kid, were you ever like, I'm Yoshi, jumped off a couch, or, like some good dorky stuff? Uh, what are you talking about? You're a professional nerd. You can't come up with one nerd example? No, I, I used to play with like G.I. Joe guys a lot and make my own little, you know, like giant wars and have the characters act out their own little stuff, but not not for video games a okay. lot. Act not the greatest fantasies. Um, Edgar Vasquez writes in and says, hey, CLCs, how do you change? Oh, how do you change the way you play games around slash four different people do you play games differently by yourself than when it's for a review or for streaming what about playing it with your partner does that change if they're watching i recently started playing resident evil 8 with my mom because she enjoys horror movies and i try to play as close to a movie as possible that's interesting serial do you know this fella yeah he was texting me about playing uh resident evil 8 uh with uh my mom as well uh what a weird coincidence uh i think she had to, okay look, i'll read off the text because she mentioned saying something pretty funny i think i don't think it was a quote i think it was him commenting on her overall impressions but uh i want to say that she was she was talking about the bit i asked her like oh what is what does she think about uh lady uh dimitrescu right like the the big lady yeah uh and let me see uh, I'm so she re- this is a text from my brother. She remarked on said tall lady and her tiny insignificant daughters. <laughs> insignificant. That was like an out of nowhere drag on like the nod <laughs> on her daughters. Wow. What a scathing line for a review. <laughs> yeah. Full quote that, please. Uh, so yeah, it's it, that that's pretty fun. But in terms of like the actual question, I think that I feel like the way that I play games naturally has become more review-like and that I, I just want to sit down and play these in as few sittings as possible and just get through them. Uh, so I feel like reviewing games has definitely like changed how I play games, right? Yeah, yeah. I think this question makes me think of, I think I have different phases where if I'm playing by myself, I'm going to be a lot more dumb, a lot more exploring. And then I have my phase of games where I'm capturing B-roll for the deepest dive. Like, you know, I captured my entire playthrough of Mass Effect. And so I'm always a little bit self-conscious about like, don't pause it for too long to take notes. Try and remember where you died and look like an idiot. Where'd you get stuck? Remember to trim that part out. Make sure I look like a a cool pro gamer in there. Um, And then streaming. Yeah, it's probably some version of that as well. Where, well, actually streaming, I think I'm dumber. Uh, than I am when I'm playing games on my own. Like, there's a certain amount of your brain that's reserved for just being anxious, and that kind of eats into any knowledge of map design, I think. Yeah. I, I do, yeah, yeah. I, I've I've also played a few single-player games with my friends. I, I, at one point, we played through, like, I, th- I think Silent Hills 2 through, through 4 uh, with a group of friends, and that was just a case where I had to kind of turn off that part of my brain that wants to, like, find every item and optimize and, like, because uh, we also played Dark Souls at mm. one point together. Uh, so it's like this kind of thing where it's like, oh, we should go over here. It's just like, just mess around for two hours. So you don't necessarily have to be like, there were times where you didn't even beat a single boss, but we just kind of ran around and had fun with like, let's just break, let's try to break as many crates without touching any enemies until we die or whatever. Um, so it's just playing a little bit more loosely and less goal oriented is how I ended up playing those games. Yeah. Uh, which actually got kind of frustrating at times with like Silent Hill 4 specifically, because that game is kind of tough. 
Uh, so just messing around, I actually got us killed and had his redo sections a lot of the time. But there is the kind of like, like oh, we're just kind of messing around and, and not really thinking about the actual game and, you know, just having, you know, off-kilter conversations and stuff. So that that style of play, I think, can be more fun. It's just it's not something I can do now as by myself because it just feels dumb when I do it alone. Yeah. There are, like, so many different, like, layers to this. I mean, I think I also lean more on um, a content style of play. Like, I very rarely am playing something purely for myself. And by that, I mean... I'm not going to, you know, uh, talk about it on a show. I'm not going to make a review. I'm not do like, it's just totally, the only time that really happens for me is when I play like really old games where it's like, this is so irrelevant. I can't even do content with it. Like when I played Sound Shapes, I'm like, sure, I mentioned I played it, but right. I'm not about to like build a whole thing. Um, that's probably the purest gaming I have left, which sounds a little sad, but it's just true. <laughs> um, when I'm by myself, I really like to enjoy um, not having to be like a critic. So if I want to skip the dialogue, I'm going to skip it. I'm going to not pay attention to the tutorial. I'm going to just enjoy it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And if I suck, it's, it is what it is. Um, for review, opposite. Super focused, making sure I really, even if the story is bad, that I'm really paying attention to it so that I can, you know, dig into stuff like, uh, I remember reading like Natalie Flores, uh, a really great critic over at, at Fanbyte, wrote a whole article about uh, the, how the Resident Evil notes in Village are... Um, whack you know basically and i'm like oh i didn't even read those that closely like i wouldn't even mm. know to have like that's really impressive to me that she has that analysis so i'd want to be like that thorough on stream i'm playing way slower uh, you know because i'm reading chat the whole time so it's just a different vibe and i read all the dialogue even if i think it's dumb because i feel like my job there is to play the game for people who don't feel like playing the game and that yeah. involves reading little stories and doing voices and stuff um, and then the only other notable change I make for when I'm playing next to people, because I, I grew up with my brother and we were always watching each other play. So I've been doing that like my whole life. But um, my brother's fiance, uh, you know, we all like live together and she gets really motion sick. So if I'm playing a first person game, I try not to do too many crazy camera changes. Interesting. She'll literally have to be like, I have to leave the room now because I, I cannot watch you <laughs> yeah. do this. So I try to be cognizant of that. But that's probably the extent of which I change things up for people that I'm around. If they want a backseat game a bit, I, I might take some advice, but I'm not really, I don't feel like I'm on during that time. I'm just kind of hanging out. Right, right. Rich Lynch writes in and says, hey, Ben and company, back when Mass Effect 2 originally came out, I remember having a conversation with someone who told me, yeah, the game is cool and all, but I don't really give it all the hypes about. Well, it turns out that he had been playing the game as a shooter, skipping every single cutscene and rushing through dialogue. I guess because he thought it was boring? Obviously, I was horrified. So my question is, have you ever had anyone tell you they were playing a game so wrong that you simply couldn't handle it? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm still angry about this. Dear, dear friend of the show, uh, who was a great contributor for the Deepest Dive on Mass Effect, uh, Joe Juba, former co-worker back at Game Informer. He's a, he's a bit of a min-maxer when it comes to games. Really cares about getting the most out of it, being thorough, all that stuff. This wild sob played breath of the wild and printed out a map showing him exactly where every shrine and every secret was and then just like looked at this map and ran from one secret to the next it is the antithesis of that game in such a that huge is way i'm down for that no yes why not but the what? whole game is about exploration. It's not about going from point coordinates 248 over 6 to 3 degrees north. You can find the next. Okay, here's something it else. It is now, baby. The power of the internet and the power of guides. Oh. I mean, I think playing a game following a guide, even if it's like a 
It's about the adventure. I think that's totally, totally fair and can still be really fun. Like, honestly. Yeah, if your brain is broken. Well, I mean, well, like, yeah, some of us game, have like... deep-seated problems. Oh, I'm sorry. Head. I guess I, I want to push too hard. <laughs> I think that can't I, like, I don't, if I recall correctly, I don't think Joe is, like, the biggest Zelda fan on that staff. That is true. So I think for him, like, not to, you know, get into, not, not to speak for him, but it feels like it was either this or I don't really play this game at all. Like, yeah. It, felt, it uh... felt like one of those things. And I think that I'm kind of like that with um, adventure games sometimes where I don't want to do any of the like, oh, where is like the next key that I need to find? Like if I just want to read the story and I'm really into that part, like I will just straight up look up a guide and just see like, I just want to get out of this room and like solve all the puzzles and just get through and read the story that I like. Like I, like if I ever play the Phoenix Wright games again, that's probably how I'll play them. Is that just like, I don't care about like going to this particular location and picking up this one thing of trash off the floor and then, you know, showing it to this person. Like that part is not the thing that interests me. It's like, I just want to read the the dialogue and stuff um so i think if it, if it is one of those things where it's like it's either this or i don't play the game at all like then yeah totally go for it but you i haven't lived until it, you've watched like a let's play the entire time and just uh, you're basically just replicating the moves oh, it's like you're oh, playing it oh that's <laughs> just, gross just enough to say i beat this game um it's it's a vibe man you gotta try it it looks to be fair yeah definitely with some i mean i think like some adventure games in particular where i've been quite stuck like yeah i Totally understand being way too glued to a walkthrough. And then in retrospect, it's like, yeah. oh, no, I totally I totally beat Day of the Tentacle fair and square as a kid. But it's like, no freaking way. <laughs> yeah. You, and like, you, I think it speaks to like how the fact that I think guides are one of the more popular forms of gaming content now, where it's just like uh, the SEO for that stuff <laughs> is really, really high because people want to look up those answers. Like if you're missing a thing in a game, like you're going to look it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. You bring that up, though, Hanson. I just played through day of the tentacle what and i refused to use a guide for anything and what? it took effing forever but what? i actually fun too. i managed to do it that's the amazing why did we lead every podcast talking about this i didn't know you were playing that huh. game yeah it was it, it was in like that you know three hour chunk between like 5 a.m and 8 a.m when i wake up to watch the kid yeah he, he refuses to sleep any longer and so i just wanted something that i could you know, like play for a small chunk and then, you know, just not think about for the rest of the day. But there were there were definitely days where I just didn't make any progress because I was just going around trying to figure out what stupid item I missed and needed for this arcane puzzle and joke. Do but, you remember the most frustrating puzzle in Day of the Tentacle? Um, I was stuck for a long time because I needed I I needed a help wanted like I didn't know that I needed the help wanted sign, but there's a help wanted sign in a window that I didn't even know was an object. And I needed that to get a raincoat or a lab coat from the future or the past or whichever yeah. one. But every time I tried to get it, I knew I needed it for the kite for uh, Benjamin Franklin yes. to get him to charge up my battery for the time machine. That's right. But every time I tried to take it, he was like, no, that's for employees only. I was like, what? What? I really you know, want to like, play I, this now. That, that game rules so I, much. It's so fun. I had already done so many, so many things for him, got all the items that he needed. And then he's like, no, you have to be an employee. And, and man, I searched everywhere in all three time zones. And then I saw the help wanted sign. I was like, oh my God, can I actually pick that up? And there you go. And I'll, I will say I, it felt much more satisfying having not just caved and looked at it. I'm super impressed. Uh, you should play uh, There Is No Game. 
by the way, on Steam or Switch, because it kind of, it has a section that's very Day of the Tentacle inspired, but it's an adventure game, but they have hints b- baked in and it's it's okay. excellent. Um, okay, correct me, correct my memory. I remember Day of the Tentacle. Uh, is it John Hancock? Because so Day of the Tentacle, it's set between three different time spans, time travel, all that fun stuff. Is it John Hancock who's just like a weird chattering like guy? Who's like, oh, God. He's just like super nervous yeah. all the time. He, well, he was very cold. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, that's fun. Did you ever warm up? Yeah. You gotta light you, a fire, right? I think, yeah, I think you light a fire to to also smoke them out I'm of the room. I'm gonna try to remember these like solutions yeah. when I eventually play this game. Yeah, please like, do. Yeah. Out of the back of my brain. You have to teach them how to light a fire. I mean, light a fire. Um, anyways, Sean Mason writes in and says, at the time of writing, only three days remain in the school year. In the waning days, I'm showing the classic and my favorite film of all time, Back to the Future. Uh, Welp, when I thought I couldn't be any more surprised by my kid's naiveness of the past, I was proven wrong. Prior to starting the film, a boy... Oh, this is in school. Okay, I'm sorry. A boy asked if the film was released before or after the world discovered colors. At first, I thought he was asking if the film was in black and white or color, but upon further discussion, it became apparent that he legitimately thought the real world was in black and white until colored TV shows slash movies became a thing. We then had a 20-minute discussion on why old photos, movies, and TV shows were in black and white. By the end, he still didn't believe me or any of his classmates. He was positive we were pulling an elaborate prank on him. <laughs> I, so I was right there with you. I mean, I was probably pretty young, but I distinctly remember thinking about the Titanic and thinking like, well, yeah, everything was black and white back when the Titanic was actually like sailing across the ocean. And then when it hit that iceberg, that's when the color was was basically the first like few pages of the, of the giver where there's like, where Mm -hmm. you discover that there's no color. And yes, the kid has to like imbue, like is the only one that can see color and stuff. That's funny. I, I, I definitely probably had that, that, uh, that idea of like, Oh yeah, I guess at some point we like people just invented colors or whatever. Mm hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's probably a, a, a common childhood thing if if they're exposed to like black and white media when they're young. Yeah. Do you all did you see that um, version of Never Gonna Give You Up where they like upresed it uh, so it's like 4K 60 frames per second? It it sounds oh. stupid, but it's one of those just like it's generally an epiphany moment of watching it where it's like, oh my god, it looks so good and so crazy that they use machine learning to do this. It's going to be everything. I really think that eventually, mark my words, everybody, send me this clip in the future. We will eventually have an option on YouTube, like the same way we can select quality, where we can choose like machine learning, enhance this to 4K60. And it can be any video. It could be like your old childhood videos and it'll still take it. It can take probably, you know, Citizen Kane and crank it up to 4K60 color. Don't you think eventually we're going to hit that point where it's just going to be like, well, naturally. I mean, totally, but I feel like that's just going to, be like a freaky deaky mode where it's just like here's, <laughs> here's a way to make the video look kind of we- like not not weird but just like it's gonna feel uncanny i think to watch something that you remember in that quality it's gonna i think it's gonna be very weird of course but i can totally see people who are like well if the no- if the numbers are higher on the resolution then that's inherently better um but yeah like i i totally see that happening but i don't know if it's like a, a net good for, for like a lot of stuff i think for childhood videos it's gonna be super fun yeah, I, I, I can see that of like, oh, this is what it might have li- like. This is, you know, I totally remember it this way. And, you know, who knows? Because like memory is really wacky and, and weird. Right. Why do I remember all those moments from third person? Oh, that's right. I just remember the video of it. Um, but yeah, it's basically like, you know, Peter Jackson had that 
They Shall Never Grow Old, I think is that World War I documentary, which is amazing, where it's a very painstaking process to do that to all that old World War I footage uh, to get at the right speed because, you know, the camera was hand cranked at different speeds throughout the war and stuff or just throughout one shot. Um, but it's really amazing. But I just imagine all that stuff's going that way. Anyways, uh, Patrick Howey writes in and asks, has anyone seen Bo Burnham's new special Inside? I've watched it a couple times now and that the oh, and now that the album is on Spotify, I've got it on repeat. What are y'all's thoughts on Inside? I watched this Fire. last night. Janet, you like it too? Yeah, I love it. I think it's like, you know, it's probably one of the best pieces of media I've consumed in 2021. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. Um, it is a bit more art house than, you know, his other stuff. So, uh, but for me, I love stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, like, let's get weird. Like, it's getting meta. I feel very seen in these things. Like, it was very trippy and a little experimental which I was not expecting at all. Uh, and I recommend if you haven't watched it, just try to go in as fresh as you can. Cause I know like there's yeah. a lot of like TikToks about it. And like a lot of the songs have been like trending around, but yeah, um, I loved it. And I recommend it even if you're someone who's like, Oh, I don't really like Bo Burnham's like song comedy, or I'm not interested in the idea of like comedy music. I still think you should watch it. Cause yeah. that's how good it is. Yeah. It's a, it's a special on Netflix. It's just amazing that like something this weird, and the entire premise is it's shot during COVID. So he films it all himself in basically one room in his house with just a bunch of different he lighting and too. yeah, camera techniques. Um, but it's all taking place there. But it's crazy just to think that like so many people watching this on Netflix are seeing this elaborate art project, this hour and a half long art project filmed in someone's house. It's like, all right, here's the power of Netflix. Here's just one guy's thoughts. And it is the greatest example of time and a place that I've ever seen in my life. Like this thing is already starting to age you know and five years from now we can just go back and watch this 20 years from now we can go back and watch like what was it like during the pandemic what were we thinking about what was i stressed about mentally and it's like he puts a lot of i think the world's thoughts down or at least our generation's thoughts um down in this in this, this is going to be special. used in social studies class like many moons from now where kids are like you know you know you get to that point where like you know our kids or like people's kids will be like hey what was it like during the pandemic? Like, mm -hmm. I have to interview, you know, I need a primary source or whatever. And this will be one of their, like, tertiary, or I guess it's still a primary source because he was there. But um, right. I, obviously I didn't learn the difference of sources, which is what y'all <laughs> learn now. I don't know what tertiary source is. I thought I did, but I messed it up. Anyway. Yeah. No, I definitely see this being like when people do history units on COVID. It's just like, well, we're going to have, at, on Friday, we'll have a... Uh, uh, the teacher will have an out um, and just show this movie. Instead. I love those it's outs, man. Hungover, I, right? I lived on, I lived on, I'm like, I honestly just need to grade this. Like, <laughs> people would always be like, oh, why is she taking so long to grade this thing? Like, y'all don't understand. Like, we've been working on the weekends. I'm working at night. Like, I'm trying to see my family and eat my dinner. Like, I'm sorry that I didn't grade the thing that you turned in late. Um, but anyway. Janet used to be a teacher for people who are new. Yes, I used to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, it, it lives within me for a long time. Uh, the most confusing thing about this, and Kyle tweeted about it, but Bo Burnham talks about video games in this special. He makes a Death Stranding reference, which is very funny. But then yeah. it's confusing because the special is called Inside, and the font looks like Insides, and there's a moment where he makes it seem like he's playing a game that is a game called Inside, but it's just him in his house. And it's like, how could he be spot on with so many of these references, but apparently did not realize that there's a game called Inside? Because he even sets it up like, oh, there's some indie game called Inside. I guess I'll play it. And it's like him playing himself. But it's like, if you're a gamer, that's just confusing. Because <laughs> like, yeah, there is an indie game called Inside that's kind of like the one you're describing. Um, but it's honestly one of the hardest times I've laughed in a long time was that special. Serial, you watched it? No, I haven't seen okay. it. Okay. 
Okay, I don't think it's a spoiler to talk about the premise of one of the songs in this comedy special. I mean, I feel like I've seen enough kind of like, you know, tweets about it that okay. I probably know what you're talking There's about. There's like two segments where it's just like clips of the song that he's singing. And it's, oh my God, it was the funniest freaking thing to me where it's all just about congratulating Jeff Bezos. It's just like, yeah, you did it. Congratulations. Just like this like, escalating, like, congratulations. It's just like, it's, it's, it's really great to watch me. after the Keeley's opening night. Oh, it was so much Amazon Prime. Think of the gaming. Amazon Prime. Right, right. But it's just the funniest thing in the world to me that somebody could just take a step back and be like, maybe this is all the richest person the world wanted was someone just to give him like a huge congratulations that he finally did it. It's very good. Um, anyways, Chris Logan writes in uh, on Patreon and says, hello and welcome to die. Um, this is a game I call Lost in Translation. We played it on MinMax Council, by the way, our Patreon exclusive podcast. Um, the following video game titles have been translated from English to Arabic to Japanese to Spanish to Hindi to Russian to Icelandic to Welsh, then back to English. Your challenge is to guess the original title. For example, you could probably guess that the Call of Modern Warfare was probably Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Okay, he really did these, all these translations, so... All right, first one to buzz in with the correct answer wins. Uh, unknown four-headed thief. Uh, unknown hmm. four-headed thief. Everyone's thinking really hard. Just thinking something with thief in it? Hmm. Smart <sighs> guess. Four. I feel like four wouldn't have been four is incorrect. In there. Chat's guessing it. No one look. You give up? Jeff, am you giving up? I got nothing. Uncharted four, four, a thief's oh. end, everybody. Uh, Why is chat so smart? Because so I did see it in chat. And so I can say it. But I I hit chat now for the rest of the segment. Okay, but like, good. I don't know how y'all are doing that. Okay, here we go. Prohibited skyline to the west. This is very uh, good. Horizon. No. Oh, damn it. Prohib Real? Horizon Forbidden West? Yes, there we go. Way done. Way to go. Oh, this is tricky. <laughs> I feel like I took Jeffem's guess out from under You did, but yeah. he gave up on himself halfway through. I don't know what happened there. Horizon. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. I'm yeah, I was going to say Zero Dawn. And then mm. I was like, wait, that does, that's completely wrong. This is hard. Highest myth. This is almost just like a synonym generator. Highest myth. Uh, Apex Legends. Oh. Jeffem with Apex wow. Legends. Way to go. Correct. Oh, wow. All right. Is this real Chris Logan watching us in the chat? Uh, this one is... <laughs> Come on. This isn't real. Tropical Freeze Ass Kong. <laughs> Don Kong Tropical Freeze? There we go. The original title. Okay. This is perfect. If this is also true, Chris Logan. Uh, he says it's real. Um, this game translates to spirit and spirit. Spearfarer? No. Okay. Two separate concepts that are in that realm, but apparently they both translate to spirit and spirit. Might Maybe it'll help you if I say spirit in spirit. Ghosts and goblins? Ghosts and goblins. Way to go. Ah. Uh, uh... Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> this is easy, but fun. A solid metal device for pain in your legs. 
Metal Gear Solid Five Phantom Pain. There we go. All right, and this one's easy as well. Animals traversing the city. Uh, Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing City Folk, though? Yeah, way to go, Jana Garcia. City Folk, killing it. Thank you, Chris Logan, uh, and thank you for also supporting us at the $400 tier so we get to talk about uh, your podcast, Best of the Rest, uh, every single month or every single week on the podcast. Um, all right, what do y'all like for question of the week? That last one was pretty good. It's In tough to be. Games, it seems pretty novel even among games. There were a lot of really good ones this week. Um, let's see, the actor one... Uh, the nature of E3, Jeff Keighley ignoring E3, first game series you're obsessed with, how you change games around different people, playing games the wrong way. But I think that last one has to take it, right? Yeah, I, I okay. feel like we're a little biased towards games because they, they make us think a little bit more. But we haven't but... given it to a game in a while. Yeah, and I think that one is an especially creative one. All right, there we go. Chris Logan, congratulations. I am 8-Bit. We'll ship out that Battletoads vinyl soundtrack just for you. And now it's time for something we like to call... Oh, uh, we're doing this live, so I don't have the audio ready. Um, Sergio, you're just going to have to make the get a load of this music. Okay, now it's time for something we like to call get a load of this. ba da ba ba da ba 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 That's it. No, it keeps going, I think. Come on and jam. Great. Uh, all right, Jeffem, you got one? Yeah, get a load of this. This is a follow-up one to one that you mentioned a while ago, Hanson. Oh. This was a random uh, video that showed up in my YouTube from 8 News Now Las Vegas. Yes. It came out about a week ago. There were a bunch of these stories. This one was called... Radar confirms UFO swarm around Navy warship. And basically they have, you know, there were there were all those UFO stories that were coming out, you know, yeah. with, with they like disclosed the military disclosed all those stories. And now they have also disclosed like radar data for several of these things because people are always saying, oh, you have these eyewitness accounts from, you know, pilots or whatever, but we don't have like the real data for it. And they released like these, a bunch of these videos of the radar, you know, people with the radar data leaked out. And then the Pentagon confirmed that it was all real. And so it's another one of those surreal stories of like news people interviewing, you know, military people talking about like, yeah, these are UFOs and we don't know what they are, but they're definitely out there and they're real. And here's the data. And then the, everyone's kind of like huh, this is weird. We don't know what it is. Okay, let's go with, you know, to Bob for the weekend forecast. And it seems like it should be a much bigger thing than it is. But yeah, what are you going to do? It definitely feels like we are living in the opening montage of like a post-apocalyptic alien movie where yep. it's just like, here are all the reports that are going on. Is like, you know, here's a headline in a newspaper. And you're but like instead of people report. like dropping the coffee cup and it's shattering, it's just people being like, what's that? Okay. Hey, Summer Game Fest, everyone. Let's talk about Elton Ring. Yeah, yeah it's mostly it's like... Kojima's next game. Right. Instead, instead of everyone being like, oh, I can't believe aliens exist. It's like, yeah, I guess aliens exist. I don't know. I'm certainly learning something, so it does feel yeah. like Kojima's next game. Uh, there's links for all these stories, by the way, below. Um, just to get out of the, the game space, or I guess stay out of it uh, for, for one more chunk here. Jeff, have you ever heard... I'm sorry, get a load of this. Jeff, have you ever heard of the Issei Grand Shrine in Japan? No. It is a shrine that's 1,300 years old. It is rebuilt every 20 years from the ground up. 
And according to Wikipedia here, it says the shrine buildings at, uh, I won't try to pronounce these, are rebuilt every 20 years as part of the Shinto belief of the death and renewal of nature and the impermanence of all things, and as a way of passing building techniques from one generation to the next. Isn't that a cool idea? Just every 20 years, flatten it, let's just rebuild. And it's been going for 1,300 years. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Link below for more on that grand shrine. Uh, Surreal, do you want to wow us? Yeah. yeah, uh, get a load of this. Uh, this is uh, mostly uh, congratulations to the uh, team over at, at Nextlander who yeah. have managed. You know, they've they've recently left Giant Bomb and have formed their own Patreon. Uh, that's uh, you know made up of uh, Vinny Caravella, Brad Shoemaker, and Alex Navarro. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they kind of hit the ground running. Like they 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 have I think two podcasts, one of which is Patreon exclusive, and they're doing a uh, they've been doing live streams. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, they've they've definitely like like knocked it out of the park in terms Crushing of support, it. and I'm I'm happy to see that. Like that's awesome to see like people really get behind uh, independent media, which definitely needs uh, your money more so than like giant companies. Um, so yeah, like hats off to them. Like that's awesome. I'm I'm glad to see that stuff like doing as well as it is for sure. Yeah, they're kicking ass. I mean, we all knew that like oh, if anybody from Giant Bomb ever takes that plunge into Patreon, they're gonna annihilate and. Yeah, it turns out when three of them combine forces, it very much annihilates the numbers. So, yeah, congratulations to that team. Uh, Janet? Uh, get a load of this. I, mine is so trivial compared to how wholesome Serials was. It was like, yeah, it's great to see like, people branch out in independent media and like the success. It's so inspiring. And meanwhile, I'm like, New Balance just made a shoe for your beer. Shoe for it's beer? It's um, Yes, it's called the Shoesy, and it's like a beer koozie, but it looks just like a New Balance shoe. <laughs> It's really odd. Um, it is only available in the U.S. and you have to like, it's like raffle in for it. It's sort of, I think, meant to be a bit of like a Father's Day nod because I guess New Balance is aware that they're very much like a dad shoe of like, mm. oh, this is what your dad wears when he goes anywhere, even though he's not necessarily running. Um, though my dad does run, uh, though he also doesn't run, he still wears the same shoes. So there you go. Uh, yeah, New Balance beer koozie uh, <laughs> made in collaboration with Miller Lite. So, Great. Yeah, no time exists. no Ooh, time for UFOs, Jeff. We got shoe koozies to deal with your babies. Yeah. I can't wait for those to like start dropping the way shoes do and they're like, "Oh, you got to you got to get on this specific website to order the shoe koozie and they're gone." I'm you like, want a koozie seconds. or not, dude? Yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> Kanye West designed this koozie. So it's like a thousand <laughs> oh my god, a, a Yeezy style shoesy? Mm. It's, just, it's just a white koozie, but it's got Kanye's name associated touch with it. Fuzzy, so. Touch Yeezy, get shoesy. So. <laughs> Everybody, stop podcasting. We've done it. We've hit peak podcasting. Tell everybody else to shut it down. Sorry, Next Lander. Game over, Yeah, folks. come on. Where's our 10,000 followers? <laughs> They're called supporters, Jeff. Anyways, yeah. did you get one from the community, Jeff? I did. Uh, get a load of this. This one is from Modic Extraordinaire uh, Shazira. This one is a PC Gamer article called Meet the Great Danes or the Grand Dames the internet's grandma gamer squad and it's a, a a piece about these four uh elderly ladies who all game together they they kind of have like a a what they call a tea party they'll get together like every week or so and they they uh talk about what games they're playing but one's a huge skyrim fan one's a mm. huge borderlands fan uh they all kind of have their own niche and they they did a pax panel together apparently um and they are Kind of broadening the definition of what gamers are in a very cool way. So check out the article. It's a it's a really good read. 
Cool. Check it out. Links are below for all this stuff. Um, thanks to everybody who supports us over on Patreon. We have some stuff coming up. Obviously, we have bonus episodes of the Min Max Show podcast. It's going to be in the podcast feed, which, again, if you're watching the video version of this, you can subscribe to the Min Max Show podcast on your favorite podcast app. That's completely free. Um, and then we'll also be streaming those live along with a bunch of other E3 reactions. So if you're listening to this, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch those live or just go back and skim through some highlights, whatever totally works. Uh, also, check out The Deepest Dive on Mass Effect. With everybody's help, submitting great comments over on Patreon, we really did make the best, most thorough discussion about Mass Effect 1 on the internet. It was over nine and a half hours. We had Leo Vader, Joe Juba, and Sarah Elmale, the voice actor. Uh, it was a really good time. There's a lot of great insight onto that first game. So it was wonderful to unpack. One of my favorite games of all time in a very, very thorough and entertaining way. So any help sharing that or listening to that or just supporting us on Patreon to unlock the podcast version of that is appreciated. Also... Okay, you guys look alive with the echo here. Get ready for the echo. Also, we want to announce also. that... No, not yet. Calm, just calm down, Sergio. Uh, trivia Tower is our video game trivia competition show. It takes place every single month in the middle of the month. Because of E3, it's sliding a little bit back, but we will have Trivia Tower with a very special co-host this time around. And it's going to be happening on June 20th. Sunday, June 20th at 1 p.m. Central is Trivia Tower, where if you support us at any tier on Patreon, at patreon.com slash with two ends, even the $2 tier, you can jump in the Discord, which you don't need to be intimidated by. It's just one link. You can play in a browser, compete in video game trivia. Everybody jumps in there, climbs the Trivia Tower. Last person standing. The last person standing wins $1,000. No... Joke because this is the one month only trivia tower, the grand round. Round. Grand round. Grand round. So, if you're looking for a reason to support independent games media, even at that $2 tier, you can jump over to Patreon and compete in trivia tower, the grand round. Round. Grand round. Grand round. Grand round. So we'd appreciate the support, and if you know a thing or two about video games, there's a good chance uh, that you could win. Even if you don't get to that top spot on the Trivia Tower, uh, you still get game codes as you work your way up. So any help spreading the word about Trivia Tower is appreciated. You can check out previous examples on our YouTube channel to see how the show actually works. But it should be a very fun time, and I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be very intense. All right. Mm -hmm. Anybody else have anything else to say? Okay. For yourselves? Other than Serial just doing a little repeat? Okay! Well then, thanks so much, everybody, for watching or listening, and thanks to the following $50 supporters over on Patreon. You can get your name in this list if you want to support us at a bigger tier. I'm thanking Alex Payne, Fixture Gaming, I Am 8-Bit, Best of the Rest Podcast, Call Me By Your Game Podcast, Mercury Rico Torreno, Real AF TV. Do you want to keep the echo going, Surreal? Oh, Zachary Pliggy, Mark Seliga, Beaten Down Brian, Brian, Ludwig Roke, Juar Hello, Ludwig Pretty Good Printing.com, Andrew Yurkowitz, Andrew Valla, John Higby, Yarrow, Richard Higby, Smuts, Yaro. Clint Farley, Spiral in Your Eyes, Preetham Yar Legata, Star Killer, Spider Dan, Purebred Number Six, Slick Nick, Steve Bamdad, and Jesse Vitelli. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.